rest of you can take your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Thursday morning, Ted Graff took his last breath and entered into heaven and laid those crowns at Jesus' feet. <clears throat> I mentioned this in Connections class this morning, and I've, and I've said it before, but it just continues to ring true. And there, there are truly only two important things in life. <clears throat> And you can, you can think about all the other things that are going on around you, but only two things that are truly important in life. First of all, do you trust Christ as your Savior? Most important thing that you'll ever do in this lifetime is realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You humble your heart, and you trust in what He has done for you. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, and he showed us that he was God. On that third day, he rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven at his heavenly throne, and he completed the work for salvation. And those that by faith will call upon him and trust him with their heart will have salvation. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more important in this life than knowing Christ as your Savior. Because there will come a day, if God tarries, and does not come back and return during our lifetime, everybody sitting here, Dr. Death is going to come knocking on your door. And there's going to come a time where what you have decided and, and, and understanding that it's by your faith coming to Christ and calling upon Him that it's going to be decided where you spend eternity based on what you have done with Jesus. And so I pray, first of all, that you know Christ as your Savior. Most important thing that you'll ever do in your life is trust Him as your Savior. Second most important thing in your life are the people that God puts in your place, that puts in your, in, in your life, and not just your family, but those around you, it's people. It is. I, and as, as the family stood there, and watch Mr. Graff take his last breath, knowing that he entered into eternity, it just continued to reemphasize to me what's important in life, God and people. That's it. That is it. Don't, don't get so caught up that you think your job is so important, that making money is so important, that, that setting a goal of so many millions in your 401k is so important and all of those things or or the nicest of vehicles or you know or those are all the goals that are going to make you happy and, and I'm not I'm not against any of those things but don't let that become your God and just understand that when when time comes short you'll realize that it's the only thing that matters you're standing with God and the people around you and so invest in people, invest in God, and, and you'll see that God will uh, bless you and, and give you a peace in the midst of a, of a world that's falling apart, and you can still have joy and peace that only God can give. So it, it really it goes along with the, what we're going to see here in Galatians chapter 6 today. We're going to look at the, 
first five verses, we continue to uh, go through the book of Galatians just verse by verse, and we've seen Paul in, in writing of Galatians as a declaration of freedom, and freedom by what we have in Christ as believers, and how we can live and, and enjoy what, what God is doing in our lives, and, and understanding that, that our salvation is based totally upon His work, His power, and and so with that, we can, we can live freely for Him, and, and we're not under the, 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 the bonds of legalism. We're not under the bonds of thinking that we have to do a whole lot of things in order to please God, and hopefully we do enough to, to get our way into heaven, but we know that we can live our lives knowing that we have salvation, knowing that we have eternal life, knowing that if we were to die today, that we will be in front of our Savior laying those crowns at His feet and, and enjoy what we have today and not allowing the circumstances, not allowing our world, not allowing all these things that are, that are testing us and pressuring us today to, to, to truly impact us the way that Satan wants it to. But we can live in a, a life that's truly full of joy. And in this, in these first five verses of Galatians chapter 6, in this freedom that we have, we've seen the freedom that we have in Christ, and, and uh, uh, in this we saw in, in chapter 5 the freedom from sin, but now we see the freedom to serve and how we ought to serve one another. I, I think of uh, the, our law enforcement, you, you know that the motto is, is to serve and to protect, and Truly, that is what we as believers need to be doing too. We need to be serving one another. We need to be protecting those by, by telling them the truth, by sharing the gospel, by standing for what's right according to God's word, by, by doing that which is proper and, and righteous and holy in God's eyes. And so we are serving and protecting also. And so in this, we see the freedom to serve, and, and we're going to find that that God has made us this way, and, and, and so often we, we want to fight this. And, and I know I harp on this a lot of times, but I hope that we can see the, the reality of this with our social media and how it has come to, uh, into our lives. And, and look, there's, there's things on social media I know nothing about. The only two that I even barely know about is Facebook and Instagram. There's all other these others that people use to communicate with today and and, and it's, it's almost like a fake relationship, and, and, it, and it's not true. It's like a virtual reality, and we allow people to see only what we want them to see, and, and we, we build ourselves to be something that maybe what we want our lives to be, and so we kind of conform it into making it look like this instead of seeing truly the, the ugly truth, and, and that, that isn't what we as a body of believers need to be, and that isn't what Platte Valley Baptist Church needs to be. We need to be a body of uh, believers that come in, and we're, we're here to worship God and, and to give Him the honor and the glory and sing praises to Him and hear from Him in His Word and uh, fellowship together and encourage one another and pray to Him and pray for one another and, and, and truly to, to be transparent with one another to where we know each other well enough that we know the problems we have. We know the issues that are going on, and we share them, and we, and we bear the burdens together. And that's not easy. It's not easy at any time, but 
It's really not easy in our society today and in the way that, that we communicate today. I mean, now we, you know, Amazon's looking at delivering your packages, you know, with the, the, the little uh, drones, you know, and, and people don't even have to get out of their house anymore, and, and uh, everything's delivered, and you can, I mean, I, you know, here at the church, uh, we order stuff from Sam's. We don't even have to go to Sam's Club anymore. You can just order it online, and it gets delivered, and you can almost become a hermit, and that isn't what God wants us to be. And he wants us to serve. He wants us to serve one another. And it goes completely against what society teaches today. It goes really completely against what our own flesh wants today. We want to be served, but we don't really care about serving. But here we see that we need to serve one another. And in these first five verses, we're going to see that we need to bear one another's burdens. And so he tells us in verse 1, if we're going to bear one another's burdens, then first of all, we need to seek a restoration with those that need help. He starts it off with the word brethren. So he's talking to those that know Christ as their Savior. You are forgiven. You know that the sin debt has been paid. And by faith, you have, you have trusted Christ. And so you're living for Him. And, and, and I'm not talking about perfect in any way, Okay. But here you are, you know Christ is your Savior, and brethren, and so talking to those that are believers, if, if a man be overtaken in a fault, if, if there's another brother that's overtaken in a fault, if there's someone that, that's not a brother in Christ, but, but you know that they're struggling and, that, and they need some help, and, and, and we see that they're dealing with sin, and, and that is what a fault is, is a trespass. And it tells us in the Scripture that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in the tense of that, all have sinned, are sinning, and will continue to sin. We are all dealing with that sin burden every day. All of us are dealing with that. No one is perfect. No one is walking here and, and comes in here and say, I am perfectly holy in myself because I have no sin in my life. Well, you're lying. And you just sinned. And so, welcome to the club, so get in the boat and shut up. Well, that's kind of what you had to realize, right? But here he tells us that, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, and so now the overtaking can also have the idea of being surprised or caught unaware. Sometimes, sometimes you're, you're living out your own little island and you're just bebopping along and you're not thinking about what God is wanting and, and, and you're not paying attention and, and you haven't heard from a friend that, that wants to, to, to caution you and you haven't been reading the scriptures like you ought to. You haven't been down on your knees praying like you ought to and, and you're, just, you're just walking along in life and all of a sudden, bam, you find out you're out in the middle of a pasture that you're not supposed to be in and you're trespassing. Sometimes you're caught unawares by those things. I, I, uh, I, I know you couldn't believe this, but I'm kind of a jokester. <clears throat> and, and I love to pick on Tom. Tom is our custodian. And number one custodian, I want you to know that. Top notch. And so, but sometimes Tom likes to come in here and work, and, and, and he carries his little phone around, and he listens to the radio, and some talk show, and he's usually talking to himself, so he can't hear a thing because he's got the phone going. He's talking to himself, and 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 one time he was cleaning the ladies' restroom, and 
and he had the door propped open, and I came in, and, and I'm looking around, and I can't see him. Then I hear him in there banging around in the bathroom. I thought, oh, prime opportunity. Let's just see how Tom's heart's working today. And so, you know, you go back there, and, and it's just really funny what your mind does, you know, because he's in there whistling and listening to the talk show, and I just reach around and turn the light off. Ladies, I just want you to know it's dark in there when the lights are out. Well, I hear him grumble, and I turn it back on. He still didn't think anybody was here. He just thought there's a problem with the breaker. So he comes around the corner of the door, and I go, hey. That's all I did. I don't know. Who could be scared of this? Right? Well, he screamed like a girl. It was quite fun. I had a good time, and he knocked 10 years off his life. And, and uh, you know, the, the scary thing is, is he told me, he said, you're putting those in a savings account, and I'm going to redeem them all one of these days. So, so I'm very paranoid when I come in here. But, but you think about how, how you react, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you know, and then you're like, what happened, you know, and, and your, your body is like, wow, that, you know, is such a surprise. Well, there, there are times in a Christian's life when you know you shouldn't do this and you go ahead and do it. And God rebukes you and convicts you and brings you back. Sometimes that sin overtakes you by surprise because really you've just kind of been going along and and doing your own thing, and, and you've pushed God to the side, and you think, man, I got this. And then I'm telling you, when you do that, that's when you wake up, and, and all of a sudden you've been overtaken in a fault. And so th- this isn't just a weaker brethren that we're talking about here. This isn't just a new believer that we are dealing with. These are, these are people that maybe are new believers, but it's also those that have been saved for 50 years, and and we all of a sudden stop doing battle like we ought to, and we see that, that we are in a trespass. So here, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Now, we're not talking in a prideful, arrogant way. This is someone that, that you, can, you can honestly say, hey, right here at this moment, I, I've confessed things to God, I'm right with God, and, and I'm not perfect in any way, but I have victory in my life, and, and, and I do believe that, that God's working in my heart and using me at this time. And so that's the one that's spiritual. That's the one that, that we, are, we are talking about here. And he's the one then that needs to help restore this person. Now, to get to this point, if you're truly spiritual, then there are some things that, that you're going to see in Scripture. Lamentation says this in Chapter 3 and verse 51, the first part of the verse says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. So, you ever had that? There, there are, look, there are those that like to be the Monday morning quarterback. There are those that would like to sit upon some, steed, uh, some seat of religiosity and, and think that they are, they are above everyone else and they can look down and they can point out the problems of, of everybody else, but it's a whole lot different when you're right in the mix of everything going on. And you, you, you uh, uh, well, quam is, is an instance of that. You know, you can think, 
well, it's really a good ministry, and, and I'm glad that, that those people are doing that. I'm just really not called to minister to kids. Well, neither am I. I mean, you got a hundred hellions in here tearing around, and, and you're thinking, that kid's straight from the devil. I mean, there are times where you think that. I'm sorry, but you do. And, 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 but but I, when you get involved, it's different than just standing up there watching it. But when you really get involved in their lives and you go see them or you pick them up on a bus and you knock on the door and, 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 and the door opens by the little guy and mom is, is doped up in the chair Dad is passed out on the couch. The, the place is filthy. And, and, you know, I, I remember, I've, I've used this before years ago. We, we went into a home, and there was a path that went to the bedrooms. as a single-wide trailer. You, you'll go in, there was a path that went into the, single, into the bedrooms. There was another path that went into the kitchen, and there was a couch and a love seat and a chair and the TV all piled up. And there was a Rottweiler tied to a log chain inside the house. And the, the kids, there were three of them, mom and dad and the three kids. Mom left the dad with the three kids, just disappeared, gone, left the three kids. Dad gets a girlfriend, moves in with him. Dad leaves the kids. Girlfriend's taking care of the kids and the mean, nasty Rottweiler named Cujo. Or I called him Cujo. Anyway, if you don't know who that is, well, I'm sorry. All right? But anyway, but I, but I look at that, and, and I remember vacation Bible school. Brought those kids to church, and, and, and the evangelist that was there helping us kept those kids that day and, and bought them new clothes, and, and we, we made sure that they got cleaned up and... and Gave them some other clothes so that they had to, to live by. But you know what? Your eyes affect your heart. In our church body, when we start actually learning about who we are and, and we actually take time to, to figure out who you are and, and spend time together and sit down and look, people, you know, maybe they think I'm crazy. I had a guy years ago tell me, you just focus too much on fellowship and not on doctrine, but fellowship is part of doctrine. And, and we eat all the time. Well, first of all, we have some of the greatest cooks in Morgan County, so why not, you know? Let's share the wealth, right? And, and so, but you really, you get to know each other when you sit down at a table and you're, you're eating, you're fellowshipping, you get to know who they are, you know where they work, you know more about their children, you know more about what's going on, you start building a relationship of trust so that then you can call them up and talk to them and, 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 and help with the needs that they have. You, you build a friendship with one another. That is important. That is what God wants us to be doing. That is what we want as a church. We don't just come here together and worship for an hour or so and then walk out of here and, and, and don't be like your Facebook friends. You ever had Facebook friends? You see them in Walmart and you're like, yeah, I know that person. Keep walking. You know? It's like, I'm not that way. Really, I, I try not to be. If I'm your friend, I'm going to see you in Walmart. I'm going to be, hey, you know, over here. You know, but and I've had some go by and I'm like, hey, aren't we friends on Facebook? Uh, and 
We don't want that. We truly want to know what's going on and, and helping each other, and, and, and your eyes affect your heart. And, and he tells us, Peter writes this in 1 Peter 4, verse 18, and above all things. You get that? And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Be eager, earnest about loving one another, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. You see, it's easy. It's easy to sit in your seat and look about you and say, well, this guy's got this problem and she's got this problem and this one is going through this struggle and oh, God, thank you that you've made me so perfect that I don't have those issues. Now, I, I exaggerate that, but that is kind of what, what we do at times. But here it tells us that, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. You know, there are times, there are times when, when you are in the midst of a battle, when you are in the midst of taking care of those hundred hellions that are, you think, building, you know, or or they're going to destroy your testimony, or whatever it may be, or 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 you are, you are here and 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 you're you're helping someone, and and I mean you are busy, and there are times when you have to make a decision, and you make a quick decision on on what say, what needs to be done, and you go and you carry it out, and you do it. I do that. You do that. Pastor West does that. Everybody in the church does that. And we are helping each other in the time. Then you can, you can wake up the next day and you can think, oh, man, I should have done that or, or I should have done that. Or, or there can be someone call you up and say, hey, why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that? Well, why don't you get in the fight too? And then tell me what you think. And, and you guys understand because there, there are times when, when you are making decisions, when you are doing battle, you don't have time to evaluate. You don't have time to think about it. You, all you do is you're saying a quick prayer. You're asking God to help you. Lay on your heart what it is you need to say, what you need to do, and you go do it. Well, in this situation in 1 Peter 4 and, and verse 8 then, he tells us of everything, we need to learn to love one another. And yes, I'm going to see things that, that Nelson does that is upsetting at times. But you know what? When I get to know him, then I get to understand more where his heart's at and I see I can understand okay now I can understand because of these things in his life why he made this decision maybe it's not the decision I would have made but it's okay and love covers the multitude of sins look we can spend our lives sitting here and just picking at one another constantly now I know in society this is a bad thing to ever admit but uh, anybody here, you can just, you can shake your eyes so that nobody else can see, all right? Anybody here ever had to deal with lice? <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Ooh. I remember years ago, our kids were, they, we were involved in a, a little kid's rodeo. And they, the, the boys were riding the, the calves and the bulls, and well, they all shared these helmets. Well, if a boy gets lice, it's easy. Shears, you know, shave it off, rub his head down with alcohol, we're all good, you know. And, and that was fine until Kareth got him. And Kareth had the thickest hair. 
And it was the grossest thing in the world. But if you ever need a recipe how to kill them, we know how to do it. Mayonnaise, all right? Don't, don't get the chemicals. Just get mayonnaise, stick it on their hair, rub it in, put a, put a plastic bag over their head, seal it up with saran wrap, you know? The little boogers can't breathe and they will die, all right? That, can't believe I just told that story. That's not in the notes. But I say all of that because then you kill the little suckers, right? Well, they're dead. But then you got to comb it out. And then you got to comb those little nasty eggs out. Man, it was, it was like throw up in your mouth a little bit, you know? It's just you do that. And, and, but you, you nitpick. That's what you're doing. You get this little bitty comb, and you're nitpicking, you know, and you're, you're taking all these little things out. Well, someone that's overtaken in a fault, you know what they need? They need someone to love them. We, if, 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 they are being, if they are truly believers, the, the Holy Spirit is convicting them, okay? They know they've, they've done got themselves in a bad mess, and so what they need is somebody to come along and not kick them and say, see, this is what you get. But instead, hey, come on, get up. Get up and I'll help you. Let's, let's do battle with this. Let's win this. Let's get over this. Well, when you're in the midst of it, your eyes affect your heart. And, and then he tells us that with a fervent charity, we love each other. There is nobody here that's perfect but if you know Christ is your Savior, you might as well get used to the idea we're going to spend eternity together. And so let's figure it out, and let's quit being the nitpicky where everybody's got to do it exactly the way that I think that it ought to be done because it's not going to happen. It truly is not going to happen. And, and in these verses, then, he is showing us how we ought to truly be the kind of church body that God wants us to be. But we need to be willing to help each other and love each other. And those that are spiritual, restore such a one. Bring back to the former condition. I, I'm, I'm kind of giddy. I'm almost excited. I think I have my truck sold. So I'm going to need a new vehicle. I mean, I, I've had this one almost a year. That's a long time. It's time to get a new one, right? But Nelson sent me a picture of a beautiful truck. Is that a Willis? Oh, yeah, 44 Dodge Army Jeep. I think I need to buy that and put a Cummins in it. I mean, but you, you think about, you should, I even get free telephone poles that are in the back of it. But you think about taking that, that old truck and restoring it. Paul Bailey has has some beautiful cars that, that he's restored. And, and uh, those kinds of, oh, honey, maybe that's what I need. He's got a Mustang. So anyway, all right, mine, get back here. All right, but, but you think about restoring it back to what it was. Well, that's, that's the restore. Let's, let's bring one back that, that, has, that has made some bad choices, that has been overtaken in a fault. And let's go to them and say, hey, Get back up. Remember what you were doing for God? Do you remember what it is that, that God has called you to do and to be? Well, get up. 
and, and I'll help you, and I'll be there and, and, and walk with you, and, and we do this. We restore them to the former condition to mend them. Look, there are people everywhere you go, every church you go to, there are scars. There are scars from sin. There are scars from getting hurt by each other, by others around you. There, there are scars that are still mending. There are wounds that are still wide open. We need to help mend them. We need to, you know, sometimes you, uh, you know, all these illustrations keep coming to my mind. I cut my fingers with a saw one time, a, a hand saw, zoom, right over the fingers, you know. Yeah, it was not fun. Anyway, I go to the doctor, and, and there is like zero compassion with a nurse. I'm sorry, you nurses need, need a little bit of help because, I mean, they come in there, they shoot me up with this little shot, you know, and then they take this thing and they're like, you know. I'm like, that is my finger, you know. But then they sew it up and now I'm alive and no infection. I mean, it's not the iodine that kills those germs, it's the scrubbing. I mean, they did, they peel your skin off, you know. They, anyway, I, I just, <clears throat> some people think that that's the way they ought to be. But we don't need to be. We need to just help each other and, and, and restore each other the way that we ought to. Take people where they are and help them to get where they need to be. And you take them where they're at. And so here, we do this, those that are spiritual, and restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. The spirit of meekness. Some explanations of this in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, here Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Forbearing one another sometimes has the idea of just learning to put up with each other. That's the truth. You just have to learn to do so. And, and you are doing so, endeavoring to keep the unity Look, we could drive everybody crazy here, and we could pick on everybody to the point where everything blows up, and I've seen that happen in times. Families, marriages, children and parent relationships, churches, I mean, it happens all the time. But rather, we need to come into this with a spirit of meekness and, and lowliness. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse 12, he also tells us here, uh, about this, this mentality we ought to have. And he says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And then Hebrews chapter 3, or chapter 13, I'm sorry. Hebrews 13, first three verses let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. When one of us suffers, we all suffer. That is the way that it ought to be. I, I you know, one of the things that, that I've 
read about military, obviously, is basic training. One of those things is to change the mentality of all for me, rather for all for the team. Well, it is that way with us, too. If one is struggling, we all struggle. If one is hurting, we, all, we are all hurting. If one is weeping, then we all weep. If one is, is joyous and rejoicing, then we all rejoice. I mean, that is what it ought to be. We're, we're not just coming here and saying, well, I come in here, I'm not going to get to know anybody, I'm going to move on. That is not at all why God has you here. That is not at all why God has brought you to Platte Valley Baptist Church. He wants you to get involved, and He wants you to understand more about who we are and, and how we can help each other because the gifts that God has given you can help this one over here. This one can be a help to this one over here. You have to reach out, and you have to get out of your comfort zone, and you have to get off the, the, the social media, and you really have to put feet to your prayers and feet to your ability and go and meet each other and talk to each other and spend some time with each other. But oh, how we need to do that. And how we, we need to understand that, that we are here to help each other and we're doing this with this spirit of meekness about us. Why? Lest, then he says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You need to be keeping a watchful eye on yourself and watching yourself and making certain that, that pride isn't creeping in or, or some other bad uh, uh, motives or some other bad ideas that you might have in your life. And, and he even tells us about this over in Luke chapter 11. Luke 11 in verse 34, he says, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thy eye is single, when the eye is sincere, when the, the eye is open and above board, when the eye is honest, the whole body also is full of light. But when thy eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. Example of this, Teresa and I was talking yesterday, and, and we're looking forward to seeing our kids this week, flying to California tomorrow afternoon. Thane graduates from college on Wednesday. Amazing to think. And so, you know, he was, when, when we candidated, when we came out and preached the very first time at Platte Valley Baptist Church, introducing ourselves, Thane was three weeks old. It's amazing to me. Now he's graduating college. And but we were just talking about the kids and 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 Kareth and, and the punk that she's dating and and <clears throat> you know we're we're going to uh meet the family because they have another they have a son that's graduating. Also, we're getting ready to meet all of them. I gotta do all pray for your pastor. It's gonna be a stressful week, all right? And then I have to drive all the way from from Lancaster, California, home in Thane's PT Cruiser. It's not the most comfortable ride, okay? And especially for somebody that's 6'8 and your knees are in your chin. But, <laughs> but we were discussing, we were talking about our kids and we were talking about Kareth. And we were thinking, you know, and, and this guy's family, good family, they really seem to love Kareth and, and, and Kareth loves them and, and Teresa made the statement, you know, Kareth's usually pretty easy to get along with as long as you're not fake. And isn't that the truth? I mean, just be who you are. And, and, and you're not where you need to be, but neither am I. But don't put on a facade. Don't, don't you know, don't make yourself into somebody that you're not. 
Be who you are and be open and transparent with them. I am gets myself in all kinds of trouble at times, but at least I don't have to wonder what I said. I know it's something dumb. And so, but we go on. And, and this is what he's saying. Your, your eye affects your whole body. And so take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. Oh, how careful we need to be. And here he's telling us that if we are going to bear one another's burdens, then we need to seek restoration, and we need to consider ourselves, and we need to keep a watchful eye over ourselves, and we need to make sure that our attitudes are right. We need to make sure that we're not filling our heart full of darkness and, and, and uh, I, I don't know, whatever the, the world would want to do to, to change your way of thinking about someone. And, and one of the things that I try not to do because I realize it's a problem is assigning motivations to someone that you don't know. You don't know what their motivations are. So don't try to assign motivations to them when you don't know. And so we, we need to just take them where they are and, and try to help them to be what they need to be because then he goes to verse 2 and we need to carry one another's burdens, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is a command to the believers. Bear ye one another's burdens. Now, it's the one that is spiritual, the one that's right, the one that, 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 that is mature, needs to go and and help restore that one that needs it, and, and, and you restore them. But now for all of us, we need to be bearing one another's burdens. You might not know a whole lot of Scripture yet, and you might not know a whole lot about your walk with the Lord, but you know that you can help this person with, with their burden. Well, how is it that you can, you can bear those? Well, you can carry them. You can carry the burden. How do you carry the burden? Well, many times, you know how you carry the burden? is by praying for them daily. Remembering who they are. Remembering the issue that's going on in their life. And you, and you pick them up in prayer every day. And you pray for them. And you ask God to help them and strengthen them. You call them. You visit them. You sit down with them. And, and you let them know that, look, I know that ultimately this is, this is your burden that you're carrying, but I'll do anything that I can. Anything that you are asking me to help with this, I'll help you carry this burden. And I want to help you get through this and know that you're not alone. And so we need to do so. And, and, and those burdens are weights. Man, are they heavy. Aren't they? I mean, we, we have burdens today. There, there is something going on in your life today that somebody else in this church family has dealt with the very same thing and that if you are listening, the one that has gone through that, if you are listening to the Holy Spirit, He is showing you and prompting in your heart right now who it is that you need to call, who it is that you need to go see, who it is that you need to talk to and share your testimony or pray with them because God is showing you right now. I believe that. I believe that. And God will use you. And you help carry one another's burdens. Remember as the, the law of Christ, love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, I think sometimes, you know what we catch ourselves doing? 
we can really fall in love with this so self. And that's not where it's at. It's about serving others. Make sure you're right with God. Make sure that you know him as your Savior. And invest your lives in people. Only two things that are ever going to matter in this life. What you've done with Christ and what you've done with people. Serve them. Love them. Bear their burdens. And if you think that, no, I don't need to do that. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. We, I heard an old preacher say this one time. He said, all we are is a bunch of skin and wind. That's all we are, skin and wind. From dirt, we're going to go right back to it. And so here, don't think that God can't use you. Just using that as an excuse because you don't want to do it. Well, get out of your realm of, uh, of comfort and allow God to use you and see what God can do in your life. I mean, you, you think about the guys that he chose to be his disciples. Do you think Peter and, and Andrew and James and John were sociable people? Look, they're on a boat all day long. They talked to fish. They stunk like fish. I'm sure. That's what they did every day. Go out on the boat. Go fishing. Come back. You know, that, and they didn't have any much interaction with other people, I'm sure. And God used them to turn the world upside down. How we need to change our attitude. 1 Corinthians 1, 31, it says that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Oh, how we need to remember who we are because if you think yourself to be something when he is nothing, and you are no one, and you're never going to be anybody without Christ being shown through you. I remember Dwight Smith was preaching one time at a camp, and it was a bunch of inner city kids from Chicago. And he said there was a couple hundred of these kids that, he said every day you were breaking up knife fights, you, you, were, you were breaking up fist fights, you, you heard more language than than if you'd have been on a, a, a ship with a bunch of sailors. He said it was the, it was the most challenging week that, that he had ever had. And he comes into Friday night. He said, I'm so strung out. He said the, the day before, I had gone into the, the camp director's office, and there was a counselor in there bawling her eyes out. And he's like, what's going on? Well, she had lost it and threatened to beat up one of these kids who, whose name was... Uh, Precious? Precious. Her name was Precious, right? The only thing I know of Precious, it was a ring, and it was a pretty evil thing, you know, and the hobbits were always chasing it. But anyway, Precious was an evil woman, right? An evil little girl, 12 years old, 10, I don't know. Anyway, and and woman was in here. The lady was crying. She was apologizing for losing her cool, her testimony, and, and I just laughed at this. Dwight asked her, he said, so what's your major at college? counseling. <laughs> I just love that. But he said he got up that night and, and he said, I'm going to preach to you kids tonight and I'm going to title the message, What Are You Worth? And he said everything was quiet 
And little Miss Precious stood up at the back and said, you ain't worth nothing. And he said, the whole message was over. He said, I was so mad. He said, I preached in the flesh. He said, I got out of there. I threw my accordion in the truck and I drove all night long. He said, I was just so mad at those kids that night because of how honory and how mean they were. He said, I just couldn't help remember that little girl standing up saying, you ain't worth nothing. In ourselves, we ain't worth nothing. But with God, we're very valuable. But it's got to be through God. And we need to realize who we are. And whenever we start looking at someone else and we start seeing them, man, they really got themselves in a mess, haven't they? Well, why don't you go get a tow rope and help pull them out? Why don't you, instead of laughing at them or, or accusing them or, or giving them down the road because, I don't know, because they're driving a Chevy and got stuck and they wouldn't have if they were driving a Dodge, right? And, and the Ford, it's just back on the road broke down. He couldn't pull anybody out, you know? It's like, man, if he's a Dodge, I'd pull him out because I don't want the Chevys or the Fords to see it. But, you know, we could be very judgmental in whatever it is that we're doing, right? But instead, you get out and you get a tow rope and you pull him out of the ditch. And you don't think anything about it. Last week, so I help you out and get you out. We need to have the attitude of Mary. Mary, it tells us, and Jesus had come into the home of Lazarus, and the ladies were there. In John 12, verse 3, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Tells us in another passage where not only does she wipe his feet with her hair, but she is also wiping his feet with her tears. The humility that she had in realizing, Lord, my value is not in me at all, but all the value that I have is in you. And I give you everything that is of any importance, that is of any value to me, I give it to you. The idea of humility. If we accomplish anything for God, it will be while we're on our knees. That's it. He is the one of value. You know, somebody said this statement one time. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less. And I find that it's hard to think about yourself if you're serving others and helping others. And do what it is that God's called you to do. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 2, Paul wrote, And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. But then the last thing, verses 4 and 5, and we'll be done quickly. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Be responsible. You know, sometimes what we like to do is we have our pity party, and we're walking around with our burden, and I get ticked off at Rory. He won't help me carry my burden. And now it's his fault. It's his fault that I have this burden. It's his fault because 
God's mad at me, or it's his fault because I sin. It's his fault because I'm carrying this around, and, and now you want to take what, what God is doing in your life, and now you're wanting to blame it on somebody else, and, and it's my parents. It's my bad upbringing. It's my school teacher. It, it's, uh, it's because I had to walk to school, or it's because I, I, I don't know, it's because my dad bought me a a, 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 a Chevy to drive, or I don't know what what all the, the society blames on everything today. Whatever, everybody has a problem, and it's somebody else's fault. And that is exactly the opposite of what God is telling us. You are in your mess because you choose to be there. Now you got to figure out how to get out of it. And so quit using everybody else as your excuse. Quit getting mad at a church family because maybe they are busy and they have their family or maybe they're helping someone else and they didn't see and they didn't perceive or they didn't read your mind and they didn't know that you're having an issue in your life and and here you are upset with them because they're not carrying your burden the way that you think that they ought to. You need to get over yourself and you need to understand, first of all, before you ever are concerned about somebody else carrying your burden, make sure that you're trying to carry it instead of pawning it off on everybody else. And that's what he's telling us here. First and foremost, you need to realize that you need to carry it for every man shall bear his own burden. They can help you carry your burden, but it's still yours. I don't know how many times I've told people that, and, and it came through experience, you can ask for advice, you can get godly advice, you can pray, you can seek God's face, and you can talk to everybody in the whole community about the issue, but ultimately the decision that you need to make rests upon you, and you have to make it. And sometimes it's just not fun, is it? Sometimes you want to eat at Arby's. She wants to eat at Wendy's. You know, not a whole lot of choices, you know, in Morgan County. But anyway, and, and then there's the decision, well, where do you want to go? I don't care. Well, How many divorces have happened over a restaurant? You know? Some pretty good fights, I guarantee you. But somebody's got to make a decision. Somebody's got to step up and say, yep, I own this one. It is my fault. I'm the one that chose to let myself be overtaken in a fault. I'm the one that wasn't reading in the Scriptures as I should. I'm the one that wasn't communicating with my God and having the sweet fellowship that He wants me to have. I'm the one that's not coming to church like I should. I'm the one that's not involved in the lies of others. I'm the one that thought I could be an island of myself. I'm the one that, that has chosen to make these decisions and, yep, I own it. It's mine. It's mine. That, then, you see. He tells us, but let every man prove his own work, put it to test, and then shall he have rejoicing. Put it to test. Bear your burden. Take responsibility. Paul wrote in Philippians 2 and verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
And so here we see that we are, we are going to have evidence of our salvation by the things that we're doing. And we do so with a fear and trembling, a fear of God for who he is, a trembling and a, and a desire, God, I want to do this right. And, and, and I want to be what it is that you want me to be. And part of that is when you're overtaken in a fault, you get on your knees. Tell God, this is my fault. You haven't moved at all. You are right where you've always been, but I've strayed. And I've done things that aren't right. And I'm confessing them to you today. Not my salvation. I already have that. That was, that was dealt with at the cross. But boy, I sure haven't been living the way that I need to. And I come back to you today with a fear and a reverence toward you, thanking you for your grace and your mercy, your forgiveness, your long-suffering. And Lord, I come to you trembling today because I want to do it right, and I want to live for you. That's an evidence of salvation. You work it out with fear and trembling. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your, know, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. And so, God, I know that I'm saved. I know way back in that day when I, by my faith, trusted in you as my Savior. And I've been examining my heart, and there's some things in my life that you're showing me is wrong. And you're calling me to come home today. And so come home. Come home. You know what you find? You give it to God. You give him the burdens, and he'll take them. But then the rest of the body comes around you. They get to know who you are. They learn to love you. They learn to love your family. They start praying for you. They start helping you in, in the issues you might have in your marriage. They can help give you counsel with their kids and say, well, this worked for my kid. Don't know if it'll work for yours, but it worked for mine. You know, and, and, and I can pray with you on this and, and deal with this pride issue or, or whatever it is. I just want you to know that I'm your friend, that I love you, love your family, and I want to help you. You know what I've, that I've come to realize as, as our church continues to grow? I just can't do it all. I, I, I can't. I, I, I try, and I can, I can pray, and, and I can give it to God. But man, as this thing gets bigger, it, it takes all of us. It takes all of us to do this together. And you know, as we do this together, Satan's going to try to cause a rub and cause problems along the way. God's much more powerful than that. We just keep focused on him. We keep helping each other along the way. And at times, we forbear one another. Yep, got to put up with that one another day. But then you move on. And why? Why do we do this? Nobody's getting out of it alive, right? So let's help each other. To be as enjoyable as we possibly can in a world of chaos. And the one day when we enter into the gates of heaven, and we take the crowns that we have, that we have 
worked and, 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 and shed our blood for and cried our tears over and, and helped others. And, and God is like, you know what, Mary? That's been a good thing that you did for Sarah, and here's a crown for that, and I'll never forget it in all eternity. And here you can, you can come, and you can take that crown, and you can lay it at your Savior's feet and realize, God, you're of utmost importance. And thank you for giving me a heart to serve others. Only things that matter. So let's bear you one another's burdens. And let's be the family of God that he truly wants us to be. Father, we come to you humbly and rejoicing. Rejoicing that we don't have to hide anything. It's such a relief to just be open and honest with you, knowing that you already know it, but you still love us anyway. Thank you. Lord, I pray that as you search the hearts of those that are here today, first of all, I pray that every one of us in here can say, yep, I'm a part of the family of God. I have placed my faith in Jesus as my Savior, and there is no doubt that I'll spend an eternity in heaven because God says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God, with all my heart, I've trusted you. Lord, there may be someone here that has done that, but they're just dealing with a heavy, heavy burden today. And you say, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I pray that today they take that baggage and they throw it just as far as they can throw it. And that, Father, you relieve them of that burden. And Lord, help us as we seek to carry someone else's burden and help them with this. Lord, we know even as we carry it, we have to give it to you. And so that's what we do. We come and we pray with them. We spend time with them. We let them know that we are there and, and we can be present with them at times when they need it. But Lord, ultimately, we pray that you'll relieve them of that burden. Relieve us of it also. That, Lord, we get past those things and we grow closer to you and closer to one another. Lord, help us to be that kind of a believer today. Help us to be serious in having a fervent love for each other. Lord, we love you today. Truly, it's an honor to be a child of God, a privilege to know our eternity is settled and to know that you are our Father. Help us to behave in a way that is honoring and pleasing to you. Guide us and direct us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.